Hey, who made you a disc jockey? Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. It's episode 150. Yes, we're late. There's a good reason. We were drunk on Saturday. We were. It wasn't our fault. We were. <laughs> it was almost the law. Yeah. There was actually a for-charity uh, comic book trivia event at uh, Kamikaze, which is a cool comic store in Somerville, Mass., and all the local stores, including our local store, put together teams of their best and brightest yes. to go and compete. And then they were us. Yeah, and somehow we were in there. <laughs> we showed up with, with a 12-pack of beer and a box, a box of red wine. I love those fucking boxes. I, <laughs> one of these days, I don't know if I've, I've probably said this on the show, uh, and I just forget because I drink. One of these days, I'm going to figure out a way to just jam a straw in it like an adult Capri Sun, <laughs> and that's going to be the best day ever. And that's how they'll find you. That is exactly how they'll find me. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, we <laughs> proceeded to get stone drunk in this very friendly store. Everybody was great. I threw around all kinds of money. Whenever I go into a new comic store, there's always something that isn't in my local store. Mm. And I felt bad because the owner of our local store brought us there. <laughs> and I'm running around chucking money that he had to be thinking, God damn it, why aren't you spending that in my store? Just, every store has different shit. Yeah. I've been looking for the Amazing Spider-Man Essential Volume 2, which has been out of print for three or four years. Yeah, sorry, dude. <laughs> They happen to have it. That's all. It, we we have nothing but love for our local yes. store. Well, Not sometimes so much you don't realize something is out there until you see it. So even if you were going to necessarily ask and say, hey, could you order this for me? If you don't know it exists. That is true. And that was part of it. Yeah. Uh, you got the uh, Ardman collection uh, of... Uh, of DC figures back when they were doing... Back when Young Justice was a thing and cartoons didn't suck. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> who who doesn't miss it? They, they had really great, you know. It was, it was Young Justice and, and the Green Lantern cartoon show, which was brand damaged by Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern movie. <laughs> and brand damaged. <laughs> That's yes. close to what they say about Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Very close. And they would have these cool shorts in between the cartoons. One of which was. Claymation animated by Ardman Animation, known for things like Wallace and Gromit and a variety of insurance commercials. And <laughs> so they were adorable. It was like kids voiced them and they would just were these lumpy clay figures. Uh, Superman was eating his weight in cookies. <laughs> and As Superman does. And Robin looked like Beaker. <laughs> <laughs> so I noticed that they're up on the wall at, at the this comic store was a, a set of Ardman animation DC figurines. I had to have it. I, I had to have it. <laughs> so I did, but... All right, this isn't the saddest story. It's so not. That's, that's I why I was just like, you know... <laughs> I get in the groove of it. What can I say? No, I can't it's always... the only music I've got. I can't always be sad on demand. <laughs> I mean, if I was always sad, like, you know, just on cue, how would you ever know if I was really upset about something? Do I have to play the music again? No, I'm or just... Are we drifting into... Saying... <laughs> you know, I'd say by the grievous head injury, I would probably know <laughs> that I'd fucked up and you were upset. It'd be pretty obvious to me. Okay. All right. As long as we have grievous violence to fall back on. Yes. So, yes, we were late on this week's show because uh, we is drunk and yeah. then we is hungover. But there was also 
a very good reason, and this is only a very good reason to me. And I warn you right now, if you listen to this show because it's mostly about comic books, this show's going to be about genre. <laughs> but it's 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 not about buckle in, kids. It's not about comic books, although I maintain it kind of is. If you think, we're about we're going to talk right about way. a couple of comic books at the end. Yes. If you the, want to hang in. The two ones that I swore I wasn't going to talk about anymore. <laughs> you have a problem. <laughs> I can't help it. It steps on my nerves. It just <laughs> makes me bullshit. But okay. At least on one of them, I could see the creator crying, uncle. It's like, ha ha! You knew you were fucking up, and this is you trying to fix it. Yes. So, And we're taping this very late uh, because we were drunk on Saturday. And more so or this, less live to tape. So yeah, you this, get it warts and all. It's not even more or less. It's uh, <laughs> Yeah, we are uh, taping this on uh, Tuesday, Tuesday evening, and we will be posting it on Tuesday night. Yes. As soon as we're done, I'm going to slap the intro on it and write some show notes. So if there are, if I say, um, a lot, um, or if there are long gaps, uh, I know I have certain verbal tics that I try to cut out. You're going to hear them in spades tonight. It's going to be all <laughs> nothing but. Because we're classy and professionals. That's right. So buckle in. Showtime, a-holes. This, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, back when it first aired, and, and to this day, uh, was a huge fan of Twin Peaks, which I know is not a comic book show. Well, I, I would imagine there's going to be a certain amount of overlap. I mean, it's, it's a genre show. You know, it was certainly a precursor to the X-Files, and there's nobody who doesn't think the X-Files is a genre show worthy of being talked about on a comic book sure. pop culture podcast. And I mean, there is there is a, a cult-like, fervent, fervent, I can't even talk tonight, following- <laughs> I'm the one drinking, damn it. <laughs> I'll get there. Um, <laughs> out there for it, I, I see them on the internet. They exist as, as things in the world. Oh, yeah, and there have been uh, fanzines ever since it went off the air and websites. But was that wrapped in plastic? Was that a fanzine? Yes, it was. And uh, But I, I can understand if you're a regular listener to the show and saying, Rob, Jesus, why are you talking about a network TV show that really only irritated people for all but eight weeks of the entire last 27 years? <laughs> There's like eight weeks where it was in a buzz and everybody wanted to know who killed Laura Palmer. And then on the first episode of the second season, they didn't tell you. And everyone quit except like me and two or three other people in college. <laughs> Louie down with the hobos. Yeah. It's <laughs> watching but, it in the front window of the TV shop. Pretty much. Yeah, there was <laughs> I'll tell the story <laughs> of of how desperate we were to find out who killed Laura Palmer. Tell the story, <laughs> Uncle Rob. <laughs> so, all right, uh November 10th, 1990. It was the 14th episode of Twin Peaks and that was the one where they finally revealed what human being was behind killing Laura Palmer. Oh, we're going to spoil this by the way. Oh yeah, we're, oh, we're <laughs> if you haven't seen it by now and don't know, <laughs> it's yeah. Uh, look, uh, the show is twenty seven years old, something like that. If you don't know who killed Laura Palmer, uh, it's because you willfully don't want to know. <laughs> this was the first show I think to get a boxed VHS set wow. of the entire run. It's been out on DVD in two different editions. It's been on Blu-ray. It's been on Netflix and Hulu for at least the last half decade. Sorry. We're going to spoil the events of this 1990 to 1991 television show for you. Okay. <laughs> now, having said you? that. And we're going to spoil the new one that just debuted on Showtime this past Sunday, part of the reason why we're taping late so we could actually see it. And I personally am going to be spoiling events from the second two episodes, which are available streaming if you've got regular cable. That's great. You, I haven't seen them yet. Right, but I saw them. So... <laughs> 
it's the Showtime Anytime app on your phone. You can stream it to your Chromecast. This is because uh, I told you Jerry was only in one episode, isn't it? This is payback. It's total payback, and I'm still pissed Damn about it. that. <laughs> ben and Jerry were the best in that show. But uh, so, so yeah, episode 14, November 10th, 1990. Uh, I was going to college in northern Vermont in the sticks, and this is before you could get cable in college. So there were literally three channels, like two networks and PBS. We didn't get Fox, and I don't think we got uh, NBC. So, but we got ABC, and there was a weird snow squall that night, and it blew the ABC affiliate offline, like they weren't broadcasting. That was the thing back in the day, kids. That could happen. Right. TV came over the air, and it was free, and it was usually of shit quality, but... <laughs> and uh, DVR was uh, some form of methamphetamine extract that you could only obtain in, like, a cow field in uh, Montpelier, Vermont. Uh, that's very specific. Uh, I just made that up just now. Okay. So, <laughs> so yeah, it, it blew it off the network, and there was me and another guy uh, I went to school with. We were big fans, and I uh, the plan was I was going to go to his room. We were going to check it out, and I heard the Twin Peaks theme, and I ran up, and uh, you know he was just listening to it on CD. He bought the soundtrack album, so we're like, oh, shit. And then people came running downstairs about 10 minutes past 8, because I think it was on at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock, either way. Was there, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Was there anything on the CD other than the Laura Palmer like, love theme? I'm sure there was, but uh, there was also beer, and I wasn't paying that close attention. We were bitching at our shitty fortune, because, yeah, back then, there was no internet. You know, there, there was no way to BitTorrent the episode. You either caught it on air, or you weren't seeing it, or you hoped somebody taped it. Got it. And we were in the sticks. If any if anybody taped it you know, back in civilization, you know, here in Boston where I was from, I wouldn't be able to see it for three, four weeks. And that was unacceptable. So but and somebody came running downstairs and pounds on the kid's room and he's like, We stuck an antenna out the window <laughs> and we're picking up the northern main affiliate Jesus. from five hundred miles away. That's probably the affiliate that I was picking up in Waterville. Probably. So we we went running up and yeah, there were like twenty people in this room, this one TV. We tried this later on. We never picked up that station again, no matter what we did. But on a black and white TV through a half haze of snow, yeah, we saw who killed Laura Palmer. That was the type of dedication. This was on a Saturday in college. We were hanging around to watch TV. You madman. I really, <laughs> really wasn't. <laughs> I was so sad. You know what I did in college? I burned my family alive. I like to light things on fire. Oops, no, I meant this one. They talked the bar! The whole fucking bar! Well, that makes all the sense. I'm just pressing buttons at this point. It doesn't matter. Go ahead. Hit like three more. That'll be like, you know, crouch punch or something. (laughs) (laughs) A special radio move? Yeah. You'll figure out how to like do the splits or something. Yeah. If I do uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark and then the Rick and Morty followed by... Showtime, a-holes. It's the radio Hadouken. No, and then somebody (laughs) out of nowhere just yells, fatality. (laughs) Uh, no, they say. <laughs> so, yes, I am a, an enthusiast of Twin Peaks, and I can get why you might think it does not have a, a place on this show, but... I think you're being defensive. N- number one, it's our fucking show. Uh, <laughs> so defensive. We'll talk about anything we want. Frankly, you're goddamn lucky you're not getting an hour of Amanda talking about reverse engineering the Caesar salad dressing at the local steakhouse. Why would I do that on this show? That has nothing to do with comics. I mean, I could spend 20 minutes muttering about Berkshire Brewing Company and how they won't sponsor us just because I've never asked them or tried to tell them that I enjoy their beer or anything like and that. Just like, you know, 
there's a part of my brain right now trying to work the problem that I'm supposed to be bringing snacks to the department meeting tomorrow, trying to figure out what I can get that doesn't actively suck from the gas station. Answer, nothing. <laughs> so then I'm working out the math, like how long will gas station hot dogs stay viable out of their natural environment? I don't know. <laughs> there's a half-life. You'll be all right for a while. But if you wait until after that half-life, man, it's like cesium. It's terrible shit. <laughs> However, I will take the position that Twin Peaks kind of is a comic book. It's like a comic book universe. Like picture Twin Peaks like the Marvel universe. Now you've got your big summer event. Who killed Laura Palmer? And just like with the Marvel universe, they added a bunch of episodes when they realized there was money in it and they tried to drag it off and they pissed off everybody except the diehards. So it kind of works Okay, as, a, as an analogy. But there are also a bunch of side stories from like every kind of genre all going on under the same roof. Yeah, there was film noir crime with James and Evelyn in the second season, which is not a great example because that plot line sucked. But the analogy <laughs> holds. It holds up. Okay. Yeah, there, were, there were war stories. Ben Horn reenacted the civil fucking war in like the last four or five episodes, like from his office. <laughs> there were, there's romance everywhere. James and Donna and Bobby and Shelley and everybody's fucking everybody else. Laura so Palmer and everybody. Uh, yes, mostly off camera and in the movie. But, and, yeah, it's a weird, creepy David Lynch sex. Like, I couldn't come. But, uh, you know, comedy all over the place. I mean, Jesus, the, uh, again, the comedy team of Ben and Jerry Horn is worth the price of admission. So if they're really only showing up once in the new one, I'm kind of pissed. But uh, mafia stories. You got Josie and the Yakuza. And fucking superpower stories. Yes, Nadine. I mean, Nadine has super strength, for Christ's sake. There's a woman with one eye and super strength. It's Nick Fury. <laughs> no, it's not because she thinks she's like 13, yeah, but she's 35. And instead of a flying car, she's got silent fucking drape runners. It's still a spy gadget. It's Nick Fury with the infinity formula. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, geez, Agent Cooper's half a psychic. Leo Johnson almost literally is unkillable based on some of the shit that happened in the first two seasons. You got supervillains all over the place. Wyndham Earl is the fucking Joker. Yeah, you're not going to get more evil than Killer Bob, for Christ's sake. I will say, as far as visuals go, Bob is one of the legitimately creepiest villains ever put on screen. Oh, if you catch me on the right day following the right scene of Frank Silva crawling over stuff, I would say Bob could fuck Darth Vader's shit up. That's a scary fucking villain. I'm not sure he could... I'm not prepared to have this debate right now, but I don't think <laughs> that, is, that is not a thing. That, that would not happen. I am probably the only person who said it, and I said it into a tape recorder like an idiot so it can be used against me <laughs> in a court of law. But what the fuck? Again, I'm, just, I'm enthusiastic because after 27 years, there's new Twin Peaks. Okay. What can I tell you? And having watched a few of them, it's really pretty solid. It's not perfect. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Okay. So yeah, I will maintain Twin Peaks is like a kind of comic book universe. Now, the downside to it is it's the delivery system as much as marvel would like to force you to buy every book that they publish they haven't found a way to do that yet you can skip the ones that don't interest you but this is tv the best you can do is fast forward so if all you care about is the big who killed laura palmer event you're still kind of stuck watching pete martell throw fish into percolators there's no way around that so (laughs) it it doesn't andy get caught in a wad of tape Oh God, I would I would watch Andy caught in a wad of tape. 
just trying desperately to put up a poster of Bob with an entire roll of tape in his hands, and he's just crinkling his fingers together, trying desperately to get tape off his fingers. I could watch that all day long. As a matter of fact, I think I'm going to watch it after this show. This has been episode 150. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So, yeah, the, the analogy doesn't completely hold up, but uh, there's enough there so that I can look myself in, in the mirror saying, all right, we're talking about Twin Peaks on a comic book podcast. All right. Um, so, yes, uh, we're going to spoil everything in the world. Um, yeah, it's... Did you watch the show at all when it first came out? Uh, maybe. I, I'm sure I probably did. I don't think I was as rabid about it as you were. Uh, there, there are a few who were. I made a nuisance of myself <laughs> to certain people. Yeah, I, I think at that point, like the only thing that I was really, really obsessed with on that level was Highlander, and that was before they released Highlander 2, which never happened. Yeah, there was no Highlander 2. What the hell? <laughs> but even that analogy doesn't hold up, because it was, it was one movie. It wasn't a thing that was Right, but I would and... watch it over and over again. Like w- w- There was a whole crew of us that would watch it over and over again on my little nine-inch screen television with my front-loading VCR that had a, a tethered remote, and we'd sit there and just repeat the lines with it like it was <laughs> fucking Rocky Horror because we were drunk and poor. I mean, shit, that, <laughs> that's college for everybody, at least after the age of the VCR. Yeah, we could do that with Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, <laughs> but the, that's, that's what I we did. Highlander with. was our thing. Uh, okay, it's this was a different kind of thing. It's It's hard to explain why it was such a big deal if like you're younger i mean if you're middle-aged like us it, it kind of makes sense because uh, yeah at the time you know in 1990 the closest you got to any kind of continuing serialized story on television you know it either was like dallas yeah uh, or you know it was will dave fuck maddie that was the one <laughs> plot line that went through moonlighting yeah. until like the second third season and yeah, humor-wise, yeah, it was either all thinly veiled dick jokes like in Three's Company, or you had, you know, Hawkeye Pierce fucking whimpering about how bad his life sucked as he drank gin and cut people up. <laughs> so yeah, with Twin Peaks, you got this big, like, weird, sprawling story. And the cool thing was it turned everything that you expected on its head. Yeah. Every stereotype that you would every shorthand that every other TV show would use or any movie would use was wrong. It's like the biker was the biggest love struck pussy to hit the airwaves since Joni met Chachi. <laughs> he, he was about as tough as a tissue. It was, and yeah, the starting quarterback was a fucking chain smoking drug dealer. The teen sex pot, Audrey Horn, was a fucking virgin. Yeah. The, the homecoming queen was a cokehead prostitute. And the FBI agent used fucking daydreams and magic to try and catch the killer. Yeah, somebody should talk to David Lynch about the FBI. <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> I don't think that's how the FBI really operates. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying between Twin Peaks and X-Files, one gets the impression. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of misconception. <laughs> hey, look, Silence of the Lambs was 1991, so maybe that was a little more realistic. Maybe. Even that, I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, my, my David Lynch experience was I, more or less confined to Dune, which... I watched on VHS. I I find it hard to defend Dune. <laughs> I love Dune the book. Yeah, and Wild at Heart. I think those are the two that I saw. When did Wild at Heart come out? That was uh, like 1990. Yeah. Because there was a stretch, 90 or 91, there was a stretch during the second season where he kind of checked out to go do publicity for Wild at Heart. I think I may have also seen Blue Velvet. 
Blue Velvet was good. See, that's the weird thing. Uh, Twin Peaks kind of made me, for a short period of time, predisposed to want to find David Lynch stuff. And I found some. I went and saw Wild at Heart. Yeah. And uh, I rented Blue Velvet. But I've never really... It's weird. I've never been a huge David Lynch fan. Like, I, I haven't seen Eraserhead. Yeah. And I think I tried to watch Inland Empire and just couldn't get into it. So I really... I don't think I've seen anything after Wild at Heart. So... Yeah, I know there are a lot of people who are excited about the new Twin Peaks because they're like, you know, oh, awesome. It's David Lynch is directing again because I think Inland Empire is the last thing he directed. And that was like 10 or 11 years ago. Yeah. Uh, So a lot of people are excited about that. And I've seen stuff online saying, oh, these first two or four episodes of Twin Peaks are like pure, unfiltered David Lynch. Well, I've tried pure, unfiltered (laughs) David Lynch in other movies. I'm like, and I will see you again when you try next time. It's just, (laughs) it's weird. It's, it's. It's a pure comic book thing of, I'll do this because I love the characters. Okay. So, all right, I will watch this weird shit of characters that being cut apart by a thing from a box uh, because I want to see what happened to Dale Cooper and the people in Twin Peaks. Whereas you give me those same visuals in, uh, I keep saying Inland Empire. What, what's some of the other ones he did? Uh, Mulholland Drive. Yeah. That's a... Uh, <laughs> While I would like to see Balthazar Getty cut apart by some form of demon, it's not <laughs> enough for me to rent the movie. Okay. So, so it's, yeah, it's a, people are saying, oh, it's David Lynch. And I, I can't even address this on a, oh, I love David Lynch format because I really don't. I love Twin Peaks. That worked. But <laughs> that same shit somewhere else. Uh, I don't own any of the other David Lynch properties. I mean, I like watching Nicolas Cage chew the scenery in a snakeskin jacket as much as the next guy, which is to say a small amount, That's but okay. it's still not enough for me to buy the movie at Honey, this point. I mean, not to beat a dead horse, it, it, you can say, yeah, I like Nick Spencer when he's writing The Fix, but maybe not so much when it's Secret <laughs> Empire. We'll get to it. Everybody we'll get has to it. Their thing. We'll get to it. <laughs> so. So yeah, it's that particular time and place. It was television that you'd never seen before. And I got hooked into the first episode. I still remember my buddy Alf coming downstairs at like 9, 10 on whatever April Sunday it aired. He's like, Rob, you like fucked up shit about murders. Because <laughs> yeah, I like true crime stuff. And yeah. So, yeah, come up and see this. Yeah, I was hooked in because of that. But man, by that third episode where the midget, the man from another place is dancing and <laughs> Laura Palmer's talking backwards. It is impossible to state how much of a what the fuck am I watching kind of moment <laughs> that was. And at that point, I was hooked. I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I need to know <laughs> if this spastic who's whispering the names of potential murderers at rocks and chucking them in a bottle to see if psychically it shows that he knows who the killer is. Yeah, I want to see if that works. I, I mean, want to see how that plays out. It clearly touched the imagination of a lot of college individuals, young men. I mean, are. <laughs> Friend of the show, Lance, had a big old poster of Sherilyn Fenn over his bed all through college. Everybody had a Twin Peaks girl. Every dude had a Twin Peaks girl. <laughs> Mine was Maginamic, which I'm sure I'm pronouncing wrong. Uh, I don't know why that is. It's just, Everybody had one. Okay. I mean, luckily, uh, Lance picked the one who did Playboy. <laughs> I was not clearly thinking ahead. But, uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it was this weird thing that... It, it really flashed like a supernova. That first eight episodes, everybody's like, who killed Laura Paul? I got my father <laughs> into Twin Peaks. And part of it was I taped 
the pilot, they did two runs of the eight episodes before uh, they showed the second season. They did one in like April through uh, mid-May. Mm-hmm. And then they did it again in like June or July. So that summer, I taped them all, and I would invite my friends over. I'm like, you've got to watch this shit. So my dad didn't care about it at all the first time. I'm like, we have to watch this, and I have to tape it. And then he just happened to be in the room as I played the pilot for like eight different people that summer. And then he's like, all right, why don't you show me the other ones? And yeah, he got really hooked into it. Uh, so yeah, it's that whole summer, I mean, to the point of, <laughs> and I wish I still had it. I could probably sell it. At the time, the two big things in pop culture were Twin Peaks and The Simpsons. Because mm. The Simpsons had debuted, their Christmas episode was Christmas 89. Yep. So that summer was the summer where the t-shirts started to pop up and there were bootleg t-shirts all over the place. So it was also a time where you couldn't just go to like Cafe Press and say, oh, make me this t-shirt. There were t-shirt stores. Right. And you had to go there and you could have iron-ons put on and... I had him take a Simpsons iron-on. I paid like $18 in 1990 money, so easily several thousand dollars. <laughs> and I had them carefully cut out. It was the Bart Simpson Don't Have a Cow Man, the simple one. Yeah. And it said Radical Dude at the bottom. And I had him with an X-Acto knife take out Radical Dude and the, the balloon of Don't Have a Cow Man and draw into the word balloon, I killed Laura Palmer man and had homicidal dude put underneath it. I was really popular with that T-shirt. I and bet I you were. Sophomore year in college. <laughs> I didn't get laid for a while in college. <laughs> you don't say. Uh, I don't think it needs to be said, <laughs> to tell you the truth. <laughs> so yeah, it was this big thing. And then, yeah, they started airing it on like Saturdays because they didn't know what to do with it. And as soon as the second season debuted and they didn't say who killed Laura Palmer beyond reiterating, oh, it's this entity, Bob. Well, they kind of already said that, so that's not really a revelation. People started to drop off, and then, yeah, they finally revealed who killed Laura Palmer in, like, November, and then, uh, yeah, me and three other people were the only ones watching, and they, they burned off, like, the last two or three episodes that summer with, like, the worst cliffhanger in human history. Everything was a cliffhanger. Everybody was about to die, and the show yeah. just never came back. And then they did Fire Walk With Me, which was a prequel, and that pissed everybody off, including me. <laughs> well, because... I watched that with a girl I was dating at the time who had never watched a single episode of Twin Peaks. And we went to the theater, the theatrical release, and on opening night, because I demanded it. And thank God we did, because I think it was out of the fucking theaters by the next Friday. And there is something unique about the experience of watching a movie in the theater, sitting next to someone who is just viscerally angry about the experience. (laughs) Just... They, they, they're because pissed. they didn't understand what was going on. Oh, they, yeah, no clue what's going on. Did you think that they were just going to decide they were going to distract themselves by giving you a hand job? Like, what I didn't want the hand job, I wanted to watch it <laughs> by, by, the, by the third act. I would have taken the hand job because by then it was ruined for me. And it's like, oh, because nobody knew what Fire Walk with me was going to be. There was no internet buzz, there was no internet in 1991 to speak of. Yeah, so I knew it was a Twin Peaks movie. So I went to it thinking, all right, we're going to get some answers. And I think we got like two, and the rest of it was Cheryl Lee. To be fair, acting her heart out yes. in these horrible situations, it was, they, they should have called this movie Twin Peaks, Beat Laura Palmer Hard. <laughs> Just this horrible, and the movie's improved in my estimation. We watched it again before the before the premiere of the new season. Yeah. Uh, had you seen the movie before? Maybe. Okay. Honestly, I don't. I don't really remember. Yeah, I'd seen it like uh, 
I think twice, maybe three times. I saw it that night, uh, and yeah, it was kind of ruined for me. Not even just because What's Her Face was sitting there just pissed at me. It certainly didn't help. I mean, when when we watched it the other day, I didn't really remember anything. So I'm inclined to believe that I probably didn't see it, or if I did see it, it, it slipped off my brain so quickly. It's and I can see that because it's nothing but symbolism and shit. That if you don't know what Twin Peaks is, it doesn't. It just slides off your eye. Visual stuff, <laughs> you know. Sarah Palmer seeing a white horse doesn't mean anything if you haven't seen the fourteenth episode of Twin Peaks. Just doesn't mean anything to you. No, but I know from the internet there's a, a moment where she's reading a book that says how to speak German. Yes, and uh, <laughs> Cheryl Lynn, uh, Cheryl Lee who's the actress who plays Laura Palmer, was born in Bavaria, Germany. Dun, dun, dun! <laughs> <laughs> I have no response to that. I just, I'm just trying to feel like I know stuff. <laughs> uh, hey, fire walk with me! I burn my family alive, and I like to light things on fire. Close to I didn't even pull any Twin Peaks quotes for the show. <laughs> Not uh, even the damn fine coffee? I did not. Oh, my God. You're I, not a real fan. <laughs> Fake fan. We've just talked for like <laughs> 28 minutes. <laughs> but Twin Peaks went to me at the time. and Nothing about pie. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be some pie. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Uh, don't make me. Never mind. Uh, all right. So all of this is going on in the background. It's, it's stuff... All this happened, and it came, and it went in a flash, and other things came, and it's probably been, uh, like I said, I've owned Twin Peaks in like four different formats. I had the box VHS set, and I think that's the last time I watched it all the way through. Because like even coming up to the to this new season, I, I didn't give myself enough time to watch it all the way through. I watched from the pilot through the 14th episode, mm-hmm. forcing you to watch many of them. Um, yeah, it wasn't really forced. I mean, I would I would have left the room. <laughs> Well, true, but uh, we also watched the finale mm-hmm. uh, and then Firewalk with me. Yes. Uh, so it had been a while, it, even since I'd done that. So keeping in mind all of that stuff, kind of working against the new season because there's no way it can be that novel. There's not three channels anymore. Well, no, I, I mean, I think where Lynch succeeded primarily having watched the show now is in the visuals and the use of the the music cues to emphasize symbolism or plot points. Uh, you couldn't escape the the Laura Palmer theme, which was constantly on loop. It's like tunes to wank to for all the <laughs> fucking Twin Peaks, apparently. Because, I mean, you can't not watch her in flashbacks live out her life and not hear in the background, 37? Like, <laughs> I don't have that one. I've got... I'm not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> she should have said that to Bob. <laughs> I'm here to eat your soul. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Yeah. Uh, so, in any event, uh, that was what I enjoyed about it. I, I did find, in terms of plot, that it was... There are certainly things to like, but overall, that piece was too ambitious, and he wanted to be all things to all people. Here's your noir, here's your humor, here's your horror. And with such a large ensemble cast, and certainly a colorful group of, uh, you know, how do you not 
think the log lady's at least a little interesting. She's fucked up. <laughs> a, a murderer's row of quirky, talented people, except for the guy who played James Hurley, who's as deep as a urine sample. <laughs> but in any event... Even <laughs> the one spoiler so far from the new episode, when James Hurley shows up, they make a point of saying, oh, he had that motorcycle accident. Like to explain why he's kind of <laughs> acting erratically compared to everybody else. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. This is why he doesn't have any lines yet. damage. <laughs> But for me, particularly since I didn't have an investment in it at the time that it came out, I everything was so muddied with such a large ensemble that the payoff of finding out spoilers that Leland Palmer, under the influence of Bob the Spirit, uh, killed Laura Palmer. Wait, what? I know. What? <laughs> God damn you! <laughs> but so, so your mind wants to do all these rationalizations, like yeah. You know, you want to separate the Bob from the Leland and be like, okay, this is a story of a girl who's been horribly abused by her father sexually since age 12, and this is all her fucking feverish hallucination. Does Del Cooper even exist? Because now he's disappeared. Did the town have some sort of mass hallucination? I don't know. <laughs> well, and that's stuff that I'm, I'm hoping will be addressed because, uh, yeah, certainly, and although certain parts, uh, Cooper was clearly not a hallucination when you get into the I'm, Second round of two I'm episodes. Ex- I'm exaggerating. Yes. Okay. But I'm just saying for somebody who who wants at least a little coherent story. <laughs> and, and that's understandable. And that turned a lot of people off. And granted, by the end of the second season, you know, my God, we've got the Miss Twin Peaks beauty pageant going on as an excuse to get uh, the, the three or four you know, lead young girls into evening dresses and revealing clothing <laughs> there's save yeah. the pine weasel i remember that uh save the pine weasel and the pine weasel gets out in the great northern and just starts attacking people so there you the go the weasel is out it's it's like it's like wolverine except a pine weasel <laughs> oh if logan had only found the pine weasel he would have had a completely different character arc <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it kind of went sideways toward the end of it. Uh, now, that being said, um, having watched at least the first two episodes of this new one, I at least had enough background going in that I felt some level of investment because I, I knew for the most part who the the major returning characters were and what to expect because I, I knew their backstory. So I... I I would like to see three and four at some point. I don't feel like, you know, nah, I'm out. <laughs> oh, oh, you're going to see him. <laughs> oh, oh, good. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can run, but there's not going to be an escape. <laughs> but you can't hide. <laughs> not even with two other televisions in the house. Killer Bob's making me watch Twin Peaks. It's not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> uh, all right. So, yeah, let's finally, after all this recap and nostalgia and uh, crisis on infinite midlives, I've got good memories about this. But okay. But I say there's no escape because, yeah, it's, ever since uh, Sunday, I've bought my second copy of The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer. <laughs> That's how big this show was at the time. It was this quickie book to come out that summer written by David Lynch's daughter that was supposed to be Laura Palmer's hidden diary. And even after it came out, things were immediately contradicted in the show <laughs> later on. But the thing was a number one bestseller. Sure. Uh, I have the uh, still have the Twin Peaks uh, access guide to the town. Okay, I had Dale Cooper, my life, my tapes. That hasn't been brought back into print yet, but if it does, I'll get it. Although there's, it's online. If I remember, I'll uh, they'll put a link to it on the the show notes. Okay, because if you've listened this far, 
all right, clearly you're as bent as I am on Twin Peaks. <laughs> but yeah, I just ordered, they came out last year with the, the hidden, oh shit, I don't even remember what it's called because I just found out about it last night, the hidden history of Twin Peaks or something okay. that fills in some of the gaps between the end of the series and the new one right. while telling this whole history of Twin Peaks beyond the original existing book. So sorry, like that... Like that unnamed girl from the past who was dragged <laughs> to Twin Peaks against her will in the movie theater. Welcome to the ride, baby. I no, apologize. I mean, I'm not angry about it. I, I'll watch it and I'm willing to pick things apart. That's what I do. <laughs> well, and we can start doing that now. So, all right. Talking with season three. First of all, if you hadn't seen any of the episodes when we rewatched, when I rewatched most of them, I watched a few without you last week. <laughs> Would you have found it even remotely watchable? I would guess no. Oh, not necessarily. I I mean, it opens up in a completely different town. Yes. And on the surface, you're looking at a police procedural, a fucked up police procedural. Completely fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and then it cuts to a second storyline. So again, Lynch is already beginning with... Here's plot A, here's plot B. So we go to New York and there's a, a billionaire who has a box that's supposed to potentially we don't, gather something. We don't know what. Some college kid has been sent to keep an eye on it and everything is being filmed by camera on top of that in case he blinks. But it's, meanwhile, he's trying to lay into the girl who brings him coffee every day. <laughs> well, all right. Let's, first of all, how... Hold on. So I'm just saying, like right there with those two, I, I I can follow plot A, I can follow plot B. I wouldn't necessarily be bringing to plot A the immediate thought because comparisons are drawn to, all right, there's an affair happening here. Is Bob behind the wheel? Like that wouldn't have popped in for me, but it wouldn't have made the store story any poorer for not knowing about Bob. Okay, that's the uh, North Dakota Matthew Lillard yes uh, subplot where okay. Just to clarify, it's a, it's kind of again. We're just gonna spoil this. It's a, yeah. There's a subplot where uh, a high school librarian is found dead in her apartment, or at least her head is there. the The torso appears to be of a bloated male. Yes. <laughs> uh, and yes, Matthew Lillard's. I mean, not not the real Matthew Lillard. He's playing a guy. I don't think he killed this lady. He might have. It's anything's possible. I want bad things to happen to him because of Wing Commander, but I'm getting off point here. You really are. Anyway, (laughs) Shaggy's fingerprints are all over the fucking room. (laughs) So it turns out his wife is maybe framing him. And yeah, Bob uh, in in a new guise, because yeah, the actor Frank Silva, who played him in the TV show, has been dead since 95. Yeah. Which is going to be a hard thing for this to overcome because there's never been a creepier guy on television. Yeah. No, No matter how hard they try to creep up poor Kyle McLaughlin and make him look tan and long-haired. Yeah, Frank Silva was a creepy fuck. Right. So, again, plot A I can follow. Plot B I can follow. Plot C brings us back to Twin Peaks. Such as plot C is. <laughs> and in plot C, we're, we're dealing with, and this is where it starts to get a little, but even this isn't that hard to follow, even if you don't know the characters. You've got people who are looking for Dale Cooper who has disappeared. Yes. And that, okay, so we're, if you don't know who Dale is, if you don't know who these people are, they're looking for this guy, Dale. Yes. So, all right. I think you can follow these things. 
it's just a question of, again, how, how much is Lynch going to feel that he needs to shoehorn in something wacky for the sake of, oh, look at this atmospheric thing I'm doing. Look at this, look at this cool visual I'm trying to use. I mean, the, I think the one place a new viewer might get lost is when they do, they talk about there's sort of an afterlifey kind of thing, and there's the Black Lodge and the White Lodge and the Red Room or the Waiting Room, where um, previously in the old series, the backwards talking man lived. Right. And he represented the arm of another character who was armless. <laughs> he figure. had one arm. Yes. Well, all right, one arm. But he's, this, <laughs> he, they always called him the arm. <laughs> that well, no, he was uh, he was Mike, the one armed man. Well, no, but the the backwards talking guy was called the arm. Yeah, so he called himself the arm, at least in Firewalk with Me. Yeah, and that's how he's being popularly referred to on the internet now. It's the arm. Yes, either that or the guy who asked for too much money. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he offered to be a part of it, and they could not come to a deal. Yeah. So now he is a CGI branch with a br- <laughs> with a wad of brains stuck on top of it. Yeah, or chewing gum or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that gum you like will come back in style. It's yeah. <laughs> so I think the things happening in that particular portion of the plot, where we're dealing with this, is where Dale Cooper is. It's weird and surreal, and it is on purpose. I think that is the kind of thing where a new viewer would probably be thrown. Okay, and that's fair. Um, See, (laughs) it's impossible for me to watch disconnected from my experience of watching it, because the one positive is there's some fan service, and I'll say there's more fan service in episodes three and four. Okay. If only because it follows... uh, it follows Cooper for an extended period of time. And we do get flashback. That's where we see uh, Gordon Cole, which is uh, David Lynch playing Cooper's deaf superior. Yep. And uh, God help us all. Uh, poor Miguel Ferrer yeah. uh, playing Albert Rosenfield, who has since died at the beginning of this year. That's the weird part about this. The number of people who are on this show who are dead yeah. It's we get uh Catherine Colson who was the log lady in yep. the first episode. Clearly who she died she filmed her scene sick and died soon afterwards. Yes. To make an appearance in the show and yeah, she's bald and on oxygen and They dedicate the the first two episode episode to yeah, because it's a double long episode. Right. to her and Frank Silva. Yeah. Uh and yeah, and then uh Miguel Ferrer and I will say there is a CGI'd cameo of Don Davis who played uh, Major Briggs. Okay. In I think the I forget if it's a third or fourth episode. Okay. Uh, a, a very simple one, not you know. Uncanny Valley. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> not. Uh, Grandma. <laughs> not Grandma Tarkin yeah. in Rogue One. <laughs> the cutscene Major Briggs. Young Princess Leia. Yeah. <laughs> so. So there, there is a certain amount of fan service in there. I give it credit that it's not completely fan service. Uh, there are, yeah, we don't spend, particularly in the first two episodes, very much time in Twin Peaks at all. We spend it in, I forget the name of the town, South Dakota, yep. uh, and a little bit of time in Vegas uh, with the new incarnation of Bob. Yes. So yeah, there are side plots going on, and yeah, we don't get an immediate answer as to will Cooper get out of... <clears throat> the uh, Black Lodge, 
the Red Room. Yes. We do find out in episodes three and four. Okay. <laughs> well, I would imagine so because there was a you know coming soon shot after the end of uh, after the end of uh, episodes one and two where he's driving. So presumably, <laughs> uh, that was uh, that was Cooper Bob. Oh, was it? Yes. Okay. Then I was wrong. <laughs> Trust me, he ain't driving anytime soon. Okay. Uh, this I, is a weird thing because there are things I don't want to spoil for you personally, Amanda. <laughs> 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 While this is a show that just embraces spoilers, I don't want to spoil them for you because I know you personally hate spoilers. Yeah. And it's weird. I normally don't give a shit. I really don't. I will seek out spoilers because ever since I was a kid, when you were a kid, there was no there was no internet or anything, but we had the Scholastic Book Club. Oh, sure. So the novelizations of movies like The Empire Strikes Back and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, you could order those eight months before the movie opened. Yeah. And I always did, and I never cared. So I would go into these movies knowing exactly what, what happens. I've never cared about spoilers. I only did it once, and, it, and I've talked about it on the show before. I, it was for Return of the Jedi because I was so pissed about how, how Empire ended. And and that's understandable. You're the only one who thought that. But I was eight. <laughs> you're certainly the only eight-year-old who thought that. But No, it was bullshit. I, I said it before, I'll say it again. It was bullshit. It, Luke found out that, or was told that Darth Vader was his father, and that he was all upset about that, and there was no closure or resolution. He just... Everybody went their separate ways there, and they're dealing with this on his own, on their own. And he lost his fucking hand, so <laughs> it was not cool. Eight year old Amanda, where's my whiskey funnel? I pressed the button wrong. <laughs> Timing fucked up on that one. So I had to know how how it was resolved, and that's fine. But I never cared. I bought them all, every single one of them, and then yesterday. I mentioned Ben and Jerry Horn, and you said, oh, yeah, Jerry's only in the one episode. I read on the internet. I'm like, God damn it. How (laughs) dare you spoil that for me? (laughs) This is like the only spoiler I've ever cared about is this show. I mean, I could be wrong. It was just he was the actor was listed as only being in one episode for this series on IMDb. And that's fair. And, And IMDb has been known to hold back things for the purposes of not spoiling shit. So. IMDb is also, I don't want to say fan edited because there's a large professional contingent, but yeah. it's community edited. So they may have just listed one episode because that's all anybody knows so far. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like they, they could be holding stuff back. But it just struck me. I've never cared about being spoiled. But as soon as you told me that, I'm like, God damn, you rotten son of a bitch. How dare you tell me I'm not going to see Jerry in the next several hours? Yeah. <laughs> that's why, and I, I hear myself as we're talking about this. You're far more objective. I just hear myself squeeing like a fanboy. That's okay. Which is very weird for me. <laughs> but that's and, and that's why it's like, yeah, all right. Because yeah, you had mentioned, it's like, well, all right, if we're going to watch all these episodes of Twin Peaks, are we doing the show about it? And I'm like, yeah, I think we should do it. No, let's hold off taping the show because I kind of want to talk about it. Give me a microphone. Let me talk about Twin Peaks. For, <laughs> this is going to be a four-hour episode. Oh, God. No, it won't. It won't, I swear to God. But... But yeah, I'm letting myself get sidetracked because I have a large level of excitement about this. And, and I'm trying to think of the last thing I was this excited about. And I really can't think of anything. I mean, when they announced Twin Peaks was coming back in 2015, I really had a moment of, I'm at the time, I'm 44 years old. 
I better fucking be alive when this fucking <laughs> thing comes out. I need to know. Well, I mean, as we were heading into Sunday night where it was going to debut, you're muttering around the, the house all day, this better not suck. It's how I feel about the yeah. Wonder Woman movie next week, and this better not suck. Oh, like, God, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm hearing good reviews. The early reviews are solid, and I'm very I am, excited. I am too, but I have not, because I don't want to be spoiled, I have not read any of the reviews. Uh, and that's okay. We're going to have to go on Saturday, because Sunday night, there's going to be episode five and six of Twin Peaks, and I must be there for them. That's the shit about it. I was able to watch three and four on streaming, and now I'm like, oh, this weekend. I'll watch them with you again. I got no problem Actually, is it that. this weekend or is it next week? It's, it's next this week. weekend. Is no, it this? I think it's this weekend is three and four. Three? No, I know three and four. I meant Wonder yeah. Woman. Wonder Woman, uh, yeah, July 2nd? July? I thought it was June. Uh, June. Sorry, June 2nd. June 2nd. So two weeks. Yeah. Where, where are we? What? what? Where yeah. are your pants? Uh, God damn it, Rob. We've talked about this. <laughs> We have neighbors. <laughs> Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. <laughs> uh, yes, I think it's in two weeks. Yes. <laughs> and the early reviews are good. I good. feel uh, feel pretty good about that. Good. I feel less good. I only brought three beers downstairs. We better wrap this show quick. Uh-oh. <laughs> but we can't. There's so much more to talk about. Well, then let's get to it. All right. Um, the one thing I will say was challenging about all of the first four episodes and I, I found it interesting for the first couple that we watched together, but in, in watching the, the next couple by myself the next day, it was, it was very much a, eh, if this keeps up, it might be a problem. The pacing is really different from any TV. We've got long fucking takes. Yeah. And just with things happening slowly or not happening just to give you visuals and different angles and the takes are packed with information. So it's not necessarily boring and certainly in certain things they ramp up dread very effectively because you're used to beat, beat scare Hmm. and this is beat, 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 beat. And it goes on and on. But like the very first scene of the show with Dr. Jacoby. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, the first thing you see is a certain amount of fan service. It's Dr. Jacoby, who was played by the guy who played, uh, the shit, I forget his name, played Riff in West Side Story, uh, Russ Tamlin. And he's still got the 3d glasses and he's living in a trailer in the woods. And I don't know why, I guess that, uh, in the secret history of Twin Peaks book that will be here on Friday, (laughs) I will find out what happened in between the end of the series and what made him live in a trailer. But it's, he gets this delivery of shovels. But the scene takes like three fucking minutes. Right. With no dialogue except, hi, Doc, and this guy unloading shovels from his truck. It, it's that kind of thing. And it's it, it ramps up dread very effectively. It's like, okay, he's in a trailer in the woods getting shovels. What is he burying? What, or what is he digging up? How many things is he burying in order to need all these shovels? Yes, what is he digging up in a town with Owl Cave where you can wind up in Glastonbury Grove and then the Black Lodge. Yeah. But so it, it, it builds a certain amount of dread just by nature of what you're seeing. But yeah, it's a long fucking take and there are a lot of those. I mean, did you find it slow or difficult to um difficult to follow? Because again, I'm coming into this as a pure fanboy as anything we've ever talked about uh, on this show. Again, and my I, judgment is twitchy based on I that. didn't find it difficult to follow. I'm not sure that I had the same feeling of dread that you did with some of these takes. I think, I think objectively, uh, Lynch needs somebody to, to say, y- you know, enough is enough. <laughs> we need to move this shit along. And that's, 
for good or ill, that's not happening here. Because yeah. the backstory, which if you're a big enough fan of Twin Peaks to have listened to me yammer like a spastic for the last 40 minutes or so, uh, he almost walked off of this. Yeah, He said, yeah, we couldn't come to deal for money or how we were going to put it together. And finally, they brought him back on basically by saying, you can do any fucking thing you want. And here's a blank check. Which, you know, it has its pros and its cons. He's... He's clearly living the dream and he's making the show that he always wanted to make. And I'm sure that artistically he's very satisfied with what he's done. And I think I've already heard that it's been renewed for a second season. Really? Oh, <laughs> that would make me happy. I haven't seen that yet. Don't get excited. I, I, I also drink and can be making <laughs> shit up. Okay, fair enough. So on the other hand, yeah, if you don't have somebody there to say, you know, remember when Zack Snyder did everything he wanted to do? <laughs> Uh, yeah, we won't talk too much about Zack Snyder this week, though, of all weeks. Right. But my point being... Yes. Um, or, for example, Buffy season eight. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, okay. I gotcha. Sometimes you need somebody to just be the voice of reason. And I don't know who that is in David Lynch's world. I would imagine, actually, that person does not exist in David Lynch's world. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I think there are a lot of people who see a lot of dollar signs in letting Lynch do whatever he wants with this. Whether that actually pays off. I mean, it didn't pay off for us. We've had Showtime since uh, we were together. <laughs> we are not new subscribers just to get Twin Peaks. It was no. purely, oh yeah, let me get it on the TiVo. Right. Done. Ding. But again, I, I haven't watched as much of this as you have. So, And, and what I've seen is on the internet anyway, our other fans saying that whereas in the original series it started out fairly I don't want to say typical but the the weird wasn't showing and, and waving its flag right away he, in this particular series he hits you hard with yep here's weird and then kind of brings it back down to earth by the end of episode four yeah well there's a ish. I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen it yet, but yeah, that's what I mean, it's read. Re- realistically, this is season three, and even though it's been twenty seven years, I mean that that's the weird thing about this. I said you have to be willfully willfully deciding you don't want to know who killed Laura Palmer if you've never seen any of it. It's hard for me. It's been so easy to see Twin Peaks for the last five years. Yeah. Now, if you're even remotely interested in seeing the new season, I've gotta believe you've at least tried it. Because yeah, this is not a new thing. I can't imagine well, Any, I, anybody saying, oh, I've heard about Twin Peaks. Let me start with season three, episode one. Not necessarily, because uh, there were a lot of people, from what I've read, that were invited to, oh, we're going to have a party to celebrate that Twin Peaks is back. Oh, I've never seen it. Oh, come anyway. <laughs> well, And there's would, been a bit of a divide between people like yourself who are like, yeah, let's do this, and, and millennials who are like, what the fuck I just see? Well, and that's fine, and let's face reality. I would go to a ball-tapping party if there were free beer. I don't care. <laughs> but <laughs> In which case you said, huh, well, I got free beer. I'm never going to watch this again. Yeah. But, but if you've got any legitimate interest, it's hard for me to imagine saying, I'm sitting at home on a Sunday night. Let's watch that fucked-up show that pissed everybody off for most of 1990. <laughs> that doesn't seem like a thing you would do. <laughs> no, no. Um, <laughs> so... All right, I can I can see what you're saying. Uh, I I hope the pacing doesn't put people off. One other thing that struck me, uh, just from a technical standpoint, is I don't know if, uh, and I'm sure I'm butchering the pronunciation, Angelo Badalamenti. 
Uh, who the, did the sound? Who did the music? Music, rather, uh, yeah. Both for the original two seasons and for the. I don't. I don't know if he's decided he gets paid thousands of dollars by the note, but there's next to no music. I almost wonder if it's a conscious choice because you you couldn't escape from that Laura Palmer theme music in the original series. Yeah, but there everybody had their own theme. But it felt like John constantly, Williams style. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like it was, it was everywhere. Whereas here, what is notable is is the absence of music cues. Yeah, and that weird ass David Lynch sound design. Now, I I have said I have not seen Eraserhead. I have heard from many people that listening to Eraserhead on a good Dolby DTS sound system is a good way to throw up. <laughs> David Lynch is proud of his disturbing sound design, and that is definitely there. But it's not nearly as emotionally, it's disturbing sometimes. Well, I think also if he's going to be doing this in conjunction with very long takes, the one long take that stood out to me was the return to the waiting room, the red room. Yes. Because that was that was long. It was excruciatingly long. And if, and if you don't know what's happening, that could be somewhere where you, you punch out because why would you sit through something that is that long and that seemingly incomprehensible yeah and certainly if you have i can see somebody coming to this with zero knowledge i don't know how you even tune in something called twin peaks with so zero knowledge that you don't know about the red room yeah and the man from another place but i I remember joking to you half joking to you during the finale of the original series where they were spending so much time in the red room like they're gonna spend the whole episode here (laughs) And I believe my response was pretty much. Yeah, because yeah. it, <laughs> it, it was getting it was getting tedious. It was the same thing. I was just like, all right, <laughs> bring do, it home. Do you find that tedious? Yeah. And see, there was no story, so to speak. But uh, Exactly, because there was no story. Like, yes, I get it. This is fucked up. You know where else I've seen this? Evil Dead. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and, and and that's fair. Not every, Look. And he had a chainsaw. <laughs> you know, seriously. You Dale Cooper bashes his head into a mirror. He sees Bob and he has a rictus grin. You know who does that? A deadite. <laughs> You've got a point. I, I can't. I can't argue with it. It's. It, it either works for you or it doesn't. Look, Twin Peaks was a phenomenon for eight weeks based on the hook of who killed Laura Palmer. Yes. Yeah, and there was far more going on. And if you didn't get into that far more going on, uh, look. Who Killed Laura Palmer is a story engine that drives itself for a while. Yeah. But eventually you got to give up the goods to Joe Blow. Yeah, that's a story engine that you can. I can easily see people saying, you know what? I need to know who killed Laura Palmer. And because of that, I will sit through this stupid midget and this giant in the hotel room, and Cooper's missing ring, and that Ben and Jerry, really? How stupid do you think I am? They're really named Ben and Jerry, and they like they like baguette and brie sandwiches? Why should I care? I need to know who killed Laura Palmer. So I'm suffering through what really is what Lynch and Frost wanted the show to be, which was this weird town with darkness shot through it, with these quirky moments and weird dark humor. That's what the show was. Who killed Laura Palmer was setting the hook. And unfortunately, it's not even unfortunately, it's, it's the way it is. A large chunk of people, yeah, that's a great hook, but you got to give them the bait eventually. Yeah. Although so, I too like baguette and brie sandwiches. Well, I understand that, but that's not the point, goddammit. <laughs> that's not the fucking point. So 
even I forget my point at this point. <laughs> well, Rob, what was the point? I don't remember. <laughs> but it's yeah, that weirdness kind of was the point. So if 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 you got that and liked the show because of the the ancillary goings on and the weird visuals and the strange characterizations, yeah, I'll spend forty five minutes with Cooper trying desperately to escape the red room. I'm fine with that. But you're right; it's not for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that hook, there is no who killed Laura Palmer hook in at least the first four episodes. No, it, it seems very much based around um, will Cooper get out of the waiting room? Let's all find out more about evil Dale Cooper and what the hell is happening in, was it North Dakota, South Dakota, that Dakota? Yeah, North Dakota. <laughs> North Dakota. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's. Uh, I feel safe in spoiling. Uh, he does get out of the red room. I, I figured he must eventually. The circumstances uh, that happen after that, yeah, I'll let that slide because they're, they're. Actually, we- no, I know he gets out of there because he, he, he. At the end of episode two, he was falling and falling and falling, and it started to tie together a couple of the threads because he fell into the billionaire's box for a while, and then he was falling and falling and falling. Yeah, but th- that's not how he gets out. There's still some more uh, weird-ass shit. Okay. <laughs> weird-ass shit you got to sit through. Okay. Uh, it involves an electrical outlet and uh, a weird dude named Dougie. Don't I'm get not... me started about weird dudes named Dougie. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Don't even... Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm not kidding. It's... Uh... That's that's the weird thing. This will be the only show that's very light on certain spoilers, so I don't spoil you. If I ever came across the Dougie, I knew he might possibly be talking backwards in a in a weird room. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, we do get that far. So yeah, if the mystery is, oh, how does Cooper get out of the red room? We're done with it already. Okay. Look, I'm guessing that Lynch probably has learned a thing or two since. Twin Peaks ended and since Firewalk with Me ended. He's had some time to to make some other projects and get some feedback on those. Hopefully he's taking the best of everything he's learned so far and turning that toward this project. Yeah, hopefully. Cuz but see that that's the thing. For somebody like me it almost doesn't matter. I watched the next two episodes and I'm fully hooked in. We're not anywhere near where I want to be cuz although Cooper gets out Cooper's not back, which no. doesn't really spoil anything. But but I'm just saying, like you know, if you consider again, I'll go back to to Buffy and and, and Whedon. If you consider for the the life of that television show, season one got better over time, but not great. Season two much better. Season three really great. Season four, Marty Knoxon starts to get involved. But ooh. Don't, don't bring Marty Noxon into it. But my point being if that... If I see executive producer of Twin Peaks Season 4, Marty Noxon, there will be a bloodbath of the type that can... Now there's we'll, a twist. That will go through. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> In any event, my point being that, at least for those three seasons, yes. you, you see the evolution of, of, of Whedon as, as a showrunner and as a, a, a writer. Yes. No, you're right. Um... Trying to think what else uh, about Twin Peaks. We've been going off. Well, all right. There's. I guess that's. And here's here's something I know absolutely shit about. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go go out in this direction. Lynch is a movie guy. Lynch is is a guy who who comes up with an idea and he does a movie. So Twin Peaks is his first stab at 
television series. Yes. Has he learned anything as a showrunner? That's a larger question because you really get the sense because it was eight weeks of, oh, who killed Laura Palmer? And then there's the hook. It's it's like the proto lost. Like, we don't know how this ends. So we're going to keep going. I'm not sure showrunner applies in this case. And I'm not sure it applied really even in the first couple of seasons of Twin Peaks because he was certainly heavily involved and developed it. Uh, There was a crew of rotating directors and writers who kept the thing going. But yeah, there was a stretch, particularly in season two, where, yeah, Lynch fucked off to do Wild at Heart. Yeah. And David Frost was off uh, doing something else. Not David Frost. Mark Frost was off doing something else. So um, our our copious contacts out in in the television and recording industry, if you have some light to shed on on what a showrunner does, (laughs) feel free. Yeah. Because many producers listen to this show. But, no, but I mean, I, but it, for season three, at least so far, every episode is written by Mark Frost and David Lynch and directed by David Lynch. Okay. So we're not talking about a huge production here with a single hand whole, you know, working the tiller while everybody else. It's a, you've got a really core group of here's what it is. Right. But I mean, on other shows, you can have rotating directors and, and a, a stable of writers but they'll still feel more coherent because there's one person on top of shit going, yes, that, no, that. <sighs> Whereas in this case, I think it's really two people saying, okay, we've done all of it. Yes. It's, it, and we're also going to oversee the editing. And I mean, my God, in every episode, at least through the, force, through, the, through the first floor, I've been drinking. You sure have. Through the first four, David Lynch is doing sound design and he's one of the editors. And but so it's, it's Showrunner, kind of- I think, is... But no, but it's the kind of thing that makes people either love or hate Stephen Moffat, for example. Either right. you like where you're, where he's taking the show, and he's not writing and directing all of it. He's some of it, but he's got other people working under him in those capacities. No, you're you're absolutely right. I think more so than any of those shows, this is going to be one where it is most definitively mostly one guy's and definitely two guys' vision. Period. Visual styles are not going to change. Writing is not going to change. You may have stronger or weaker episodes, but it's because David Lynch got enough coffee and (laughs) sugar or not. Yeah. I will say the moment Dale Cooper rediscovers coffee gave me a twinge of hope in the fourth episode, (laughs) but he's still not really back. Okay. But All right. So, yeah, that question of whether he learned anything, I think both those guys took their hands off the wheel in the second season, which is how it got into some of the weirder, dumber shit that that showed up. It got noxened. It got, no, it wasn't even noxened. (laughs) It got got smithied. All right, who's in the peak seat right now? (laughs) And people would try shit. Got it. Uh, So... So yeah, it's it's going to be a much more singular direction. You know whether he learned anything from that or not. Even that's hard to tell. Those guys only developed one other television show after this, and I think it lasted like four episodes. It was something about like a golden age radio station. I never even watched it. Okay. Again, it turns out I'm not a David Lynch fan. I'm a Twin Peaks fan. That's okay. I'll watch David Lynch do his shit with these people. <laughs> uh, all right, we've done this more than an hour. Uh, let's just talk about uh, yeah some of the cool fan shit uh some of which was more disturbing or not the, the log lady who was clearly dying yeah that was that was bittersweet that was uh andy and lucy are married now which is kind of cool and have a child god help him yep but 
You haven't met their child yet. Oh, God. Is, you're it, a ba- gonna, is it a baby Huey? You're going to hate their fucking child. Oh, I'm so happy. I, <laughs> if you had told me that I would Is it Alicia Witt? If you had told me I would want Michael Sarah dead more after seeing him in Twin Peaks. Oh, hell. I, <laughs> I'm not I don't want to go into a lot of spoiler detail, but his name is Wally Brando. Great. <laughs> it's not. That's that's just great. And you talk about long takes. He wouldn't shut the fuck up. Did he at least blank? It's it's a it's like meeting Marlon Blank George Michael. It's like meeting Marlon Brando, and you're behind him at the line at the buffet. It just never ends, and there's just nothing left at the end of it. It's just painful. Uh, we talked about uh, seeing James at the Roadhouse. We saw Shelley. Yep, uh, that was cool. Um, the toughest one in its own way was seeing Sarah Palmer Yes, in the house where her husband killed Maddie, just sitting by herself, still drinking and chain smoking. I can't. Yeah. That, that for me, that, that touched me because like, how do you, she's supposed to be a psychic sensitive anyway. So how do you continue to live in that house with all of that negative crap? Yeah, I have. And yeah, just watching. And not be catatonic. Yeah, watching bloody wildlife footage yeah. of leopards or something killing a wildebeest or a water buffalo. Yeah, at least when I do that, it's, it's, it's to educate Parker because I, you know, I worry about him. Oh, well, of course. It's certainly not to terrify me and keep me in line. I understand <laughs> that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was tough. Um we do, uh, I think I told you, but without detail, and I still won't tell you with any detail, uh, we do see Bobby Briggs again. Yep, you did uh, mention that. In a way that I legitimately did not expect, Okay, but which if you stop and think about him and his family makes total sense. Okay. Uh, we, we do see, like I said, Major Briggs uh, in a CGI'd cameo, but, but one that's really far smarter than most of the CGI cameos we've seen. Star Wars. Um, <laughs> yeah, we got Gordon and, uh, and Albert again, okay. which is cool. So, I mean, there's there's plenty of fans. Oh, and we uh, we do get David Duchovny. I, I knew that from IMDb. All right. <laughs> we do get him in a position I did not expect. Okay. Um, so, I mean, there's particularly, like I said, in, in episodes three and four, the, the fan service level starts to go up, but still the story is not just slavishly saying, oh, and this happened to this person, and this happened to this person, and this happened to this person. Like, we see Bobby in this situation with no explanation, but if you know the character, it makes sense. Yeah. Which which is kind of cool. Okay. Did even fucking Wally Brando, that hateful little prick, <laughs> given who his parents are, all right, why he's this way makes sense. So... I hope I don't... I, I hope... I hope so this is one appearance. Have, Andy should have let her go through with the abortion. I have never wished that Dick Tremaine was the father of anybody until, <laughs> until I saw that episode. Okay. Uh, we uh, get a brief explanation as to where Sheriff Truman is. Uh, Hawaii. Uh, well, that's where he really is. Yeah, <laughs> Michael Ankian wouldn't come back for the show. He's like, yeah, you know what? I got plenty of money. Somehow. From Somehow. The, from this failed television show and Slapshot. He's got all the money in the world to live in Hawaii. But <laughs> I enjoyed Slapshot. Slapshot's fucking awesome. <laughs> Put the foil on, coach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So yeah, I mean the only negatives I'm seeing, but again, I'm I'm gushing like a fanboy. And if you're even remotely a Twin Peaks fan, like I said, there there are certain negatives. The pacing is weird, and you have to really want to know what's going on to be like, yep, I'm okay with the fact that some of these takes are four minutes for no reason I can understand at this point. It's weird to not have that Angelo Badalamenti music everywhere because it was such a huge part of, of of both the TV show and Fire Walk With Me. Yeah, and you're not the only one to say that. There's there's other internet chatter that agree with you, where's the music? Yeah, but... But yeah. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if... You know, cost aside, if it's not a conscious choice for negative audio space, it's. I'm sure it is. David Lynch, from what I hear, has always been about sound design. Yeah. So I'm sure it's a conscious choice, and I'm okay with it. But it does take some getting used to. But yeah, as somebody who was a hardcore fan back in the day, I'm really excited about what I've seen so far. And uh, yeah, I'm just hoping to get to get more. <laughs> <laughs> And again, if you're not a fan, shit, you tuned out a long time ago. <laughs> we hope you'll talk to us next week uh, when we talk about uh, some other thing. In the meantime... Button, button, who's got the button? <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's talk about a few comics. All right, so want to talk about The Flash first? I would love to. <laughs> the Flash number 22, or The Button, part four. Because <laughs> I, apparently I am doomed to talk about any book with Watchmen in it. Uh, written by Joshua Williamson. Art by Howard Porter. Uh, my first note here is all that time and effort to shove a blue appendage down my throat. At least it wasn't the wang. <laughs> Hey-oh! <sighs> <laughs> Any initial impressions? Because I am really not entirely sure what we accomplished here. <laughs> um, uh, we have the death of Jay Garrick. <laughs> That's what we accomplished I don't here. think it's the death of Jay Garrick. I don't think they'd be... Uh, Actually, no, it, it, we're running into the same issue that we ran into at the beginning of, of Rebirth. Jay is running around looking for somebody who recognizes him because if somebody recognizes him and can say his name, then he will come back into reality, much as with Wally West. Yes. And that person for him is not Barry. So the question is, who will that be for Jay? We're starting a new arc. Yeah, and, and I'm not sure because, uh, yeah, uh, look, Jeff Johns is apparently sort of back at the helm of the DC universe. So, of course, we got to get our Silver Age characters back in there. Oh, uh, now these are Golden Age, oh, let's be fair. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> He's got plenty of Silver Age. Uh, Barry's Silver Age. That's Al true. Jordan's Silver That's Age. That's true. But, but he had that whole extended run on, on Justice Society, JSA, yes. which are uh, Golden Age. Yes, so. My and, God. And, I, and I miss those characters. The, the Earth 2 versions uh, written by Bill Willingham, as much as I like Bill Willingham, never did a lot for me. I, I want my old school Justice Society. Yeah. My all-star squadron, if you will. Okay. So. <laughs> Does it make you, you know, feel better in your special place? Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what I mean by that. <laughs> I don't have a button for my special. Oh, here, but this special place? For a $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, look, it's good to see Jerry Eric again. It's a, a shame that he just sort of came and went. Mm. Uh, it's, look... Jeff Johns clearly has this thing about, oh, everything has to be about the Flash because the Flash apparently, you know, it's, I'm guessing because he gave his life in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yes. Why Supergirl's sacrifice isn't worth a dog turd next to a stop sign, I have no idea, but okay, that's what we're doing. Uh, 
I, I kind of get it. I kind of get it back to, yep, the first Silver Age and crossover back to the Golden Age was the Flash. So the Flash really is sort of the linchpin of the idea of the DC multiverse. I, I All right, I understand that. Yeah, I, I mean, Flash can, by nature of his, his power set, travel between multiverses and times, whereas Supergirl cannot. Uh, blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's got Beppo the Super Monkey. Actually, oh, no, she's got Comet the Super Cat, Comet the Super Horse. Horse. Comet the Super Horse. There's a lot of super animals out there. <laughs> yeah, but he can do it on his own. He, he doesn't need any animal. Uh, no, he needs a treadmill. Why is that smarter? Why is that science? <laughs> the fucking treadmill in this store. Oh, my God. But uh, I can't travel through time because I have no traction. Really? All right. <laughs> And look, uh, looking at this four-parter, I, I don't know what we actually... Uh, look, we accomplished what was necessary to accomplish. Yep, we saw a Watchman, mm. if you want to call them For, yeah. the Watchmen, which they're not. That's Wanted not the their team word. name. No. It's a, we saw Dr. Manhattan's hand. Ooh, okay, we knew we were gonna. Yeah, and then it teases something with Superman. Yes, this whole thing is a tease for, uh, was it Doomsday Clock? Yes. Uh, which just means we got to put up with more of this shit until November. <laughs> yes. As soon as I saw the reveal in the comics press about, oh, Doomsday Clock coming in November, I'm like, God damn it! How fucking long do I have to put up with this shit? <laughs> Get it done and move on. And then I bought it, and we're talking about it still. I don't know. Is it a pacing problem? <laughs> Oh, it's got a lot of problems, but none I have a sound effect for. So, <laughs> yeah, look, beyond, okay, we've established Dr. Manhattan is out there doing stuff. Uh, what do we have? We've got Batman meeting his father who tells him not to be Batman. Yes. But even that's kind of fucked up because in the course of two pages here, Bruce goes from, oh, Barry, this case is far from over to ignoring the bat signal, like yeah, like he's only investigating father centric crimes now. It's <clears throat> you know, oh, if it's about my father, I'll suit up. But you know, yeah, that preteen girl being menaced by the Joker, fuck her. I hope she dies with a smile on her face. <laughs> my daddy said I didn't yeah. have to do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, now I'll give Williamson credit. He gives Bruce a little, you know, uh, maybe we shouldn't pursue this kind of moment with the Flash. But Williamson kind of had to thread a needle here. You know, Bruce might really be thinking he's going to quit being Batman. But Williamson knows DC would rather sacrifice their own balls to Mephisto to maintain the Batman license. It's, yeah. He's not going to quit being Batman. We all know it. Yeah, he's going to have a crisis of, of you know, conscience. What, what does it mean to be me if I'm not Batman, and yet I still want to honor my father's memory? Uh. Yeah, and, and again, we talked about this in an earlier episode. A lot of this is shit we went through in Tom King's I Am Suicide, so it's not like it's untrod ground recently exactly we're not going back to like detective comics 472 or something this happened no please give me more emo batman no more more emo emo batman (laughs) amanda love emo batman none more emo (laughs) there's one superhero you like less i couldn't help it (laughs) you dick (laughs) oh i'm sorry I mean, beyond that, what else did we get from this? Dr. Manhattan's more powerful than Reverse Flash? Ooh. <laughs> I, mean, I can see that reveal being meaningful to Jeff Johns. Yeah. It would be more meaningful if there hadn't been literally three different Reverse Flashes over the years, 
every one of whom has been killed at least once. Exactly. It's not that hard to... The death of Reverse Flash is not like the death of Captain Marvel, some sacrosanct thing. It's, it, oh, Tuesday, Reverse Flash must have been killed by somebody. Hey, guess who's coming back to Marvel? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Stop it. I mean, this is the third time Eobard Thawne has been killed, for fuck's sake. It's true. Barry Allen killed him uh, by breaking his neck before Crisis, and Thomas Wayne killed him in Flashpoint. And those are the only... Uh, that's two I know about. <laughs> That's I probably missed four or five murders of fucking point, I'm reverse thinking flash. A strong breeze could take him out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, it's too humid. I'm melting. <laughs> I'm melting. Oh, what a world. I forgot to put my Dr. Scholes in my reverse flash boots. Tell Barry I said fuck him. <laughs> ah. I'll kill Barry's mother Tuesday <laughs> for some Dr. Scholes today. Jesus. I mean, what else do we have? Bruce's father doesn't want him to be Batman, so fucking what? <laughs> yes, but Bruce hasn't worked that out yet because he hasn't. He never had a chance to rebel against his parents because they weren't there. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> I mean, you know, Bruce clearly spent his teenage years alone with no parents training to be a ninja because one of the great things about being an adult is being able to ignore your fucking parents. <laughs> My dad advises me to quit drinking every time I talk to him, and I don't because you know what? I already paid for the beer. <laughs> Bruce already has the bat cave. Fuck you, Dad. I'll do what I want. <laughs> I earn my own living under my roof, Dad. You'll get hammered with me. You'll fight crime with me in the bat cave, Dad. <laughs> and, and, and besides, <laughs> why are you going to listen to Thomas Wayne? <laughs> he's, he's an alternate universe version of your father, and he says don't be Batman when... Right when he's about to be killed for being Batman. <laughs> what else is he going to... And he's about to be killed for being Batman by Aquaman. <laughs> that alone... I mean, fucking Aquaman. You damn fool. You're more useless than Aquaman. I mean, that, Bruce should not think that being Batman is his father's problem. Being a shitty Batman is his fucking problem. <laughs> you get your ass kicked by... Not even Aquaman. Aquaman's flunkies. <laughs> Or breaking into your bat cave to kick your ass. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> you are not the knight. No, you are not vengeance. Well, you and know, also they you know what you, you are. <laughs> well, no, that also gives you a, a sense of how fucking tissue paper that version of Reverse Flash is. Because if Thomas Wayne takes out Reverse Flash and Aquaman's <laughs> flunkies take out Thomas Wayne. <laughs> oh my god, I think I killed Reverse Flash while I was <laughs> flailing in my sleep last night. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I got a bruise on my wrist. <laughs> I killed Reverse Flash. <laughs> and, and to be slightly more serious, I'm not the world's greatest detective. Even I know Dr. Manhattan kept the Flashpoint universe open so that Bruce's dad could tell him to stop being Batman. All right? Yeah. yeah. If I were Batman, I would understand, okay, I'm probably being manipulated and would probably fat battle through it because I'm not shitty Batman. <laughs> I'm not crappy, useless, flashpoint old man Batman. <laughs> Who I'm needs the, to use guns. Exactly. I, I, with guns, <laughs> guns and depends Batman. <laughs> guns and depends <laughs> Batman. Write that one down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that whole, oh, I'm going to think I'm going to stop being Batman. It's kind of bullshit. I mean, it gave us good jokes. That's about all it gave us. Uh, and, yeah, Jay Garrick. Yeah, as a golden age hero, he's a hell of a deus ex machina. Yes. His only purpose for being here besides to say, ooh, look, the Justice Society is in play is to get 
Batman and Flash out of the time stream. Right. You know, otherwise, yeah, all we learn is, yep, those guys are still kicking around, apparently. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's the other thing, the, a specific thing I had a problem with, the narrative captions were confusing because they all had the Flash logo. But the early ones clearly were supposed to be Jay Garrick. Yes. But they couldn't give him the Jay Garrick Flash logo because they wanted it to be a surprise, like we don't have the internet, and we didn't know five days before this comic came out what the cover was. Right. Uh, But then later on, we get ones with the same kind of caption with the same Flash logo that seemed to be from Barry Allen. So that was needlessly confusing to switch the point of view of the issue. Yeah. That's one, that's one real storytelling misstep. I don't know. I think they're all supposed to be Jay actually. Uh, I I think they are because it, it says, you know, I, I watched them race across time as it all falls apart. So, well, I mean, yeah, but the, the one later on where he says, I wasn't the lightning rod he needed. It seems to me that was Barry saying I wasn't what Jay needed to get out of oh, the yeah, time that, stream. Yeah. So oh, yeah. no, well it's a different color. The, oh well fuck me. What what is what's the color in front? That one's red. Yeah, the other one's blue. Oh, all right, I suck. Ah, you just drink. <laughs> and I'm gonna keep drinking. All right. It's still it confused me. That's okay. I, I've been confused by less. That's <laughs> I think you were confused by Fucking 14 episodes of Twin Peaks this weekend. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, this issue, it, <laughs> it didn't bring anything to a close. It didn't resolve anything. Nope. It, all it did was kill Reverse Flash and, and remind... Put, and put Jay Garrick in play. Yeah, and it reminded us, yep, Watchmen's still going to be a thing. Tune in November for Doomsday Clock, kids. Bring your fucking wallets. That's, a, that's really all I got from it. Paint your wings blue and come to the party. <laughs> It's it wrapped up the button the same way it kind of started drifting back into nine panel grid. Yes, uh, more of a you know with certain things with Watchmen font. We had a Doctor Manhattan quote, uh, and then it ended with uh, a quote: uh, "There are poisons that blind you and poisons that open your eyes." By August Stringberg, I think it was. Yes, uh, who was a playwright from Sweden. Uh, that's from a novel called The Red Room from 1879, hmm. which I have not read. I have not either. So all I can imagine is it means that Dr. Manhattan wants to legalize it. <laughs> that's all I can think okay. of. I don't know what it fucking means. No, but I mean, with with Superman so promise, prominently in those nine panels, or at least the Superman logo, and it's looking all kind of beat up. And then you say Doomsday Clock. If you've got Superman and Doomsday, that means bringing back Doomsday. Didn't we just have Doomsday? I don't know. I've read uh, a couple quick interviews with Jeff Johns since the Doomsday Clock story uh, was revealed. And he said using the word Doomsday was meant to sort of be evocative. But it doesn't necessarily mean Doomsday's coming back. So I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's been a year. Jeff Johns, this is my skeptical face. <laughs> it's been a year. This. That, it's, it's radio, baby. It's radio. <laughs> it's been a year of this Watchmen shit, and I still have no idea what they're getting at. And I still, I will implore everybody, I've said this 500 times in the last 15 months, Rebirth's been going good, Jeff. Don't fuck you, it up. You can walk away. <laughs> Put the Watchmen on the table, and we'll let you go home. Put the Watchmen on the table, and I won't drunkenly shriek at you at the Hyatt Bar in about 90 days. He's going to drunkenly shriek at you at the Hyatt Bar. I did, no, I might attempt to be drunkenly friendly, but the drunken shrieking 
That's if <laughs> just step away from the watchman. We can all go home. The guy with the ponytail. He's <laughs> gonna be shrieking at you. You fool! You've blown my cover. God damn it! It's, it's a ploy. Your dad wants you to cut your hair. You're not even shitty, Batman. You <laughs> damn fool! You're more useless than Aquaman. Blowing my cover. And so what takes out Aquaman? Mercury poisoning. <laughs> Uh, I burn my family alive. <laughs> I like to light things on fire. I have no idea. Yeah, if Aquaman eats too much tuna, he <laughs> he gets a weak urine stream. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Aquaman's weakness is he sucks. He doesn't need a kryptonite. <laughs> fucking Aquaman. You can kill him with a heat lamp. He sucks. I don't care what salt. Jeff Johns thinks. <laughs> yeah, you salt him like a slug. <laughs> Uh, speaking of slugs, Secret, Secret Empire number uh, two, three, which one is it? I forget. Two. Uh, two. I wrote three in my notes because I suck. Written we want by, it to be three. It feels like it's, it should be at three. It feels like it should be 13. I swore I wasn't going to talk about it. But anyway, uh, written by Nick Spencer, art by Andrea Sorrentino. Yeah, I, I said I wasn't going to talk about it, but I think it's important to bring up because it, clearly talking about it makes a difference because I think talking about it can change it. I know this because I really think this is the issue where Marvel and Nick Spencer fucking blinked. Yeah. They said, okay, uh, nope, it's this other thing we didn't tell you about. And it's bullshit, and it's kind of stupid, and it sucks all the friggin' weight out from under the story. Yes. <laughs> well, yes and no. I mean, the the opening theme of this story is the idea of hope the death of hope and heroes in this story thinking that maybe they finally gotten to a point where it's gonna get better and and hope is kindled only to have it crushed over and over and over again and then spoilers because you as a reader because they're they're just ciphers for you because you too are being dragged hope i hope this doesn't suck no it sucks i hope I hope this doesn't... Nope, nope, still sucks. I hope... Oh, look! Is this the real Steve Rogers at the end of this book? I hope! (laughs) Only to probably in like page one of Secret Empire number three. Nope, sucks. (laughs) Yeah, he steps on a punch. (laughs) Steps on a punji stick covered in human shit and yeah, dies, dies. dysentery. Yeah, random beheading. Yeah. Just- <laughs> it's look, and, and the sad thing is, I don't have a lot of notes here on the story itself because this is how deep they have sunk in this. It's not about the story anymore. It's how the fuck they're going to get out of it. Yeah, it's this cannot possibly be what Spencer and company had planned originally for this story because it really takes the air right out of it. If Nazi Captain America isn't actually Captain America then he's some form of imposter. And it doesn't matter where from. Right. Kobik could have split them up accidentally or created a copy or whatever. But what matters is if there's a real Steve Rogers running around, then it means that nothing Nazi cap does makes any difference at all. Right. And more importantly, it means you can do anything you want to Nazi cap. Right. Again, unless they're trying to play the longer game, this was about how you get your hopes up only to have them crushed more and more viciously, more and more thoroughly each time. So if this is the big hope, what will they do? Will they go the path of, nah, they're wimping out and they're giving us what we want, which is the real cap, or are they going to take it away that much more viciously? In which case, how much lower can the story sink? 
it's I can't imagine they're going to take it. This feels like it was bolted on. It feels like, and I, I say that not just because it really it came out of left field. There's been no indication of anything like this. And in the last, this story's been going on 14 months, 15 months yeah. since Steve Rogers, Captain America, number one. Right. This is the first indication that there's something other than Nazi Captain America. And it came in the same week where uh, Marvel announced, oh, we're going to add another issue to Secret Empire, which you know means invariably somebody came up with a new ending. And this has had such bad press around it. I don't think <laughs> I can't imagine. Uh, I can't imagine Ike and <laughs> and uh, and Joe Quesada and Axel Alonso saying we've got a hundred percent faith in you, Nick Spencer. What's that? You want another issue of Nazis killing Americans? Certainly, we'll give that to you. Now, this really feels like somebody said, "Okay, we need an easy out to be able to say this isn't Captain America." This is really Captain America over here. Yeah. And we'll we'll give you an extra issue to dig your way out of it to make it so that was the thing. That gives Marvel a couple things. Number one, it gives them an out saying, no, Captain America's never been a Nazi. So, right. you know, fingers crossed behind their backs. But it also means they don't have to do a DC Rebirth type of reboot because, oh, he was never a Nazi all along, so we can just plow ahead. Because uh, I read a thing this week, I forget which comics press uh, vehicle it was, but Tom Brevoort, one of the uh, VPs or executive editors at Marvel, I always forget his title, mm. said, oh no, we're not going to use the Cosmic Cube to think this all away. The stakes are going to be much higher. Which, uh, on one hand... <laughs> On one hand, somebody probably said, we can't use the Cosmic Cube. We really have to make it so this guy was never Captain America. But on the other hand, yeah, that's <laughs> that's, that's like saying, you know, this is the same Marvel Universe where it's, oh, it's not the Cosmic Cube? Fine, it's the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. It's Reed Richards, who has the power of Molecule Man, building the Marvel multiverse yeah. ever since Secret Wars. It's Galactus. Yeah. Just saying, oh, it's not this thing. Galactus would have been the easy out. Yeah, it's it's comics. Wish fulfillment MacGuffins are everywhere. <laughs> well, let's go back to those two words there. Wish fulfillment, which is something that Nick Spencer has been solidly on record as not giving a shit about because he doesn't believe that things should necessarily be escapist. So here's your dark, dreary story. Eat my shit. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Do that when I got a lung full of vape. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm not sure he actually said that. <laughs> the fix is too fun for him to want us to eat shit. But I was talking about Secret Empire specifically. Uh, yeah. It's he. Hey, look. Uh, we've said it before. It's his first big bite at the apple. I don't blame him for defending it. The problem is he probably shouldn't. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Yes. <laughs> and, and yeah, the whole Tom Brevoort. Oh, we're not going to use the cosmic cube. That's like saying I didn't cheat on you with your sister. There's a whole big wide world of people I could have cheated with. <laughs> it's you're you're just digging a bigger hole. It's like who do you think say I cheated with? That's a lie. <laughs> Don't smell my dick. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's and that's the hell of this story. I don't have much to say about this story at all. It's there's a lot that happens. Yeah. But that's not what mattered. Yeah, we got Black Widow peeling off to kill Cap. And taking children accolades with her. Uh, yeah. 
which should be a big deal. I'm She's starting the Red Room. Yeah, I'm recreating the Red Room for Miles Morales and Sam <laughs> Alexander, for Christ's sake. Yeah. That should be a big deal, but it doesn't matter because now this isn't Cap. Nazi right. Cap isn't Cap. It doesn't matter if you kill him or not. Fucking nuke him from orbit. Chop him into pieces and feed him at the comic store. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't yeah. know where that came from. But uh, so, yeah, it just, it, the whole idea of, oh no, it turns out real Captain America is probably over here somewhere, just lets the air out of a story that didn't have a lot of fucking wind to it to begin with. Yeah. It's, it. <laughs> well, it's also a slap in the face. You make people feel like shit about your story for how many months? And then it's like, uh huh, look, look, it's okay. It's all right. Look, look, it's Cap. It's okay. Uh, yeah. It's fine. Yeah, this is a long 20-something, maybe 32-page story. And literally, the only thing that stood out to me, the only thing that I wanted to talk about on this is literally, you were in the room when I was reading it, and I said, this is where Nick Spencer and Marvel copped the fuck out, and they're trying desperately to fix it. Yeah. That's all I took from it. This can't possibly have been the original plan for this story. No. And it's... I've, I've I've read stuff online saying, "Oh, finally, some hope to hang your hat on." It's it's not hope, it's the Jesus. <laughs> it's opening the window, going, "Them's pitchforks and torches." <laughs> well, shit, we can't have that. No. <laughs> so yeah, that that's how rough this event is. All I give a shit is how are you going to get out of it? It's it's like when I saw the Sixth Sense, yeah, and I heard there was a twist. And I thought I figured out the twist halfway through. I stopped giving a shit about the movie. I stopped giving a fuck about that kid. I hope he got hit by a bus immediately because if that had happened, I would know if I was right or not. That's all I care about with Secret Empire right now. Yeah. It's like, how are you going to get out of it? Well, it feels like all the press from last month where all of the various defenders of this book were saying, oh no, you, you have to read the whole thing. Yeah, it's because you, you're saying that now because this issue's in the can waiting to be published. And yeah. and you're hoping it's going to win you back some goodwill. Even then, I'm sure they were saying, read the whole thing, read the whole thing, with Nick Spencer's email blowing up saying, this is what we think you should do. Yeah. Like in the old... Uh, when I say old, you know, six years ago, New 52, DC mm-hmm. editorial. This is what you're going to be doing now, Nick. <laughs> <It's>, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is my impression of Nick Spencer probably in the last month. Oh, I wish I was dead. <laughs> <laughs> and since it's Marvel, you can't even get away with... No. <laughs> so You can't. Yeah, it's... I swear I wasn't going to talk about this again, but this just seemed to me such a blatant fan service. No, it's not Cap after all. See? (laughs) Just horrible. Meanwhile, everything around you that you love continues to be crushed and tainted because you've got things like, in the absence of anybody knowing that real Cap is real, you've got Black Widow corrupting children and teaching them to kill Oh no, what a world we live in. Like <laughs> It was wrong and you knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Just pressing buttons at this point. That's I okay. I haven't drank during the show in a while. It's pretty good. I should keep doing it. <laughs> I'm a nasty piece of work. Ask anybody. <laughs> Fatality. 
<laughs> so, I mean, would we recommend, we've already gotten away uh, this week. Uh, shit, no, there was a book of the week, which I had asked you to read. And oh, I and I haven't to, had a chance to read it. And I forgot yet. to it was, hand it, it to you. It was Superman. This week's Superman, uh, I will just totally spoil. Uh, the reveal at the end is Manchester Black is working against him. Well, I knew Manchester Black was coming back. Okay. So I, I will go and read that because I'm down with that. The um, uh, Whatever Happened to Truth, Justice, in the American Way is one of my favorite DC stories ever. Yep, it's a... In its own way, it's kind of mawkish and yeah. uh, overblown against books like The Authority that were going on in the early 2000s, but those books were so ubiquitous. In its own way, a good thing, because they got me back into superhero comics when I hadn't been for a while, because it was yeah. like, wow, this is at least something new. But at the same time, it was an excellent counterbalance with, yeah, all right, there's something to be said for the old school books. Yeah. So, and, and yeah, you were also a big fan of Justice League Elite. Ex- yeah, I was. So... You know, so it's. I think there's there's room for all kinds of stories to be told. Not all of them are going to be good, though. <laughs> and that's where you get Secret Empire. <laughs> I sent in my Secret Empire fanfic, and they said they got my dick message. <laughs> I said it was it was all put to right by Doctor Manhattan. <laughs> uh... Oh, I wish I was dead. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Or should yeah. we uh, should we wrap it up? I think the takeaway here is uh, watch Twin Peaks. <laughs> it's tolerable. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Someday they'll. Someday I want to see that blurb on a Secret Empire trade. It's tolerable. <laughs> Amanda, Chris, and Infinite Lives. Bullshit! It's tolerable. Rob, Crisis on Infinite Midlives. <laughs> Yeah. All right. I don't know where you found this episode, <laughs> but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. You can follow us on Facebook. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash crisisoninfinitemidlives. We are on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at infinitemidlife. We're on Tumblr. Don't bother following us on, tum- following us on Tumblr. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you can. I'm not sure why. crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. God, you're an old. <laughs> I am an old... I watched Twin Peaks in college. I'm a fucking old. <laughs> uh, we are on iTunes. You can subscribe to us there as well as through our home website. And uh, if that's how you like to get your podcast, do us a favor. Give us a review. Give us a rating. and helps new people find the show. We are on Google Play. We're on TuneIn Radio. We're on Stitcher Radio. We are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. And you can always email us, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. I think that is everything. That's everything. All right. In that case, this has been episode 150 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp. The owls are not what they seem. Bullshit. Oh, I wish I was dead. (laughs) 